I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. If you do me a favor and leave me a review, a five-star review or a comment, wherever you're consuming this content, it'd be immensely appreciated. The more reviews I get, the higher my ranking ultimately becomes. With that higher ranking comes more listenership, and that's what this is all about, getting the message out to more people. Today's episode is my favorite day of the week. That's right. The day of the week where I have my wife in the studio, the beautiful now Lindsay Nidell sits across from me, and we cover some important stuff. Important stuff where I don't know what we're doing yet today. You never do. Nope. Really. I mean, unless I'll let you pick the episodes, and then they get all jacked up. We figure out anyways. So today's episode. Yeah, what are we talking about today? Is having a baby. Oh. Oh, oh. yeah. That's oh, right. Good. That's right. So, my, as many of you know that listen to the show consistently, I live what I call a challenge-based lifestyle. And the challenge-based mm-hmm. lifestyle isn't something that I came up with. It's something that is part of the Wake Up Warrior group. It's part of the, the social structure that Garrett J. White has come up with. If you're curious about that, go to wakeupwarrior.com or thekingskit.com to get more information about it. There is Warrior Women as well. So you can go to, I think, Wake Up Warrior Women or Warrior Women. Go to Google and type it in. I don't know what it is. I'm not a woman. I haven't looked. But in that, this challenge-based lifestyle is a way that we look quarter by quarter at the year and come up with challenge outcomes for body, being, balance, and business, the core four of our life. And so my challenge outcome for my body is to have a, you know, my first and probably only boxing fight, like professional, whatever you want to call it, like a sanctioned fight. And whether it's amateur or professional is somewhat immaterial, but that's my challenge outcome. And that associated with that is to be 260 pounds with a defined six pack, which I'm heavier than 260 and have that already. So like I've already like knocked that part off. The next part is being, and that's to it, the being side of things for me is meditation. So I'm going to meditate for an hour using something called the Muse, M-U-S-E. It's actually choosemuse.com. And have it be during that hour time period that I stay 100% in the calm zone. Which for those of you that haven't meditated or haven't used a device, like that's a pretty monumental overcome. Like yeah, That's a hard thing to do. For sure. But that, that just expands the capacity. So all of this, this challenge-based lifestyle is to come up with something that's going to, that the current version of you couldn't achieve. You'd have to become a better version of yourself in order to knock these check marks off. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the being quad or the yeah, balance quadrant, which is about family and life. And my balance quadrant was to or is to confuse, convince or negotiate Lindsay <laughs> into being able to potentially consider going on the path of having a kid. It's like to get to the first step. It's not to necessarily make her become pregnant or however you want to say that the right way. It's just to know that now it's like all bets are off where some of the protective measures that couples might use (laughs) might go to the wayside, like no birth control. Yeah. We should probably put a disclaimer on this so that my family doesn't freak the hell out when they see the title of having a baby. I am not currently pregnant and we are not currently trying to have a baby. You don't know what we're going to title this. (laughs) I know you well (laughs) enough to have phone calls because Italians have no patience and all they'll see is the title. And then 45 people will call me. Are you pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. So that, so you just tipped off what the next episode is going to be about. So, if you listen to this, the next episode is I'm married to an Italian, which that, that, that's the next one coming. And so that's a challenge-based outcome, the desired outcome for me this quarter for my family. And then in business, it's to hit certain thresholds for, you know, Unleash the Kings, which, you know, is my my own training group, my own you know, version of really massaging the body being balanced business quadrant for a handful of individuals, going deep down the rabbit hole in marketing and, and body really, some of the, the two quadrants that I'm really, really strong in. And so 
clearing out all this nonsense, we're going to bring this all back to this challenge-based lifestyle based around having a baby with Lindsay. And as she's sitting there with, as I would call in our family, we call it the grumpopotamus face. <laughs> it's also because I had no idea what we were talking about as we sit down at this table and you're like, having a baby. Yeah, but nobody okay. does. Like any guest that I have, <laughs> even when I come and sit down in the studio, like I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about. I just spit stuff out. There's never notes. There's, it's, it's always pre-scripted. Yeah, but I like how you refer to having a baby as part of a challenge. It's definitely a challenge, but it's not like, it's not like a challenge that you hit and that goal just goes away. Like it's there for life. Yeah. <laughs> not just like a oh i hit the goal today the, fr no, the first life. challenge is to get you to even consider it like to come off birth control to just make sure like that's that we're both healthy that it's an available yeah. possibility like, that is a challenge right now and that's that's what this episode's about like yeah so i as i set the challenge based outcomes for myself for that you know this quarter of the year i sat down with Lindsay and i covered with her like part of this is not just doing it and then staying quiet about it. Like I have to talk to the people that are involved in it. Mm -hmm. When it came to the business stuff, I talked to the guys inside the office. Talked to them. I, you know, when I came up with the boxing side of things, I talked to my trainer. Like none of this is by chance. Like I can't pull off any of this by myself. Obviously, can't have a baby yeah, by myself. Yeah, you cannot have a baby by yourself. I could practice, but that's not very much fun. <laughs> and so in this, like share it with Lindsay, and there's just she's coughing in the studio. I mean, what, if, if Jesus. What is this? I'm what, sorry, this I'm is like what we do now. It's like a tickle in my throat. You have a tickle in your throat. Sorry. Yeah, well, knock this off. Like my eyes are watering. Well, keep I'm it quiet. It up. Yeah. Uh huh. So as as we go down this path, and I'm covering with her what I ultimately want to do. There's an admitted look of trepidation, and this isn't new to her and I. Like the conversation of having a baby. This is something that we covered in some capacity prior to getting engaged, mm -hmm. prior to getting married. Like this is not like. Oh, I'm throwing the Hail Mary in the fourth quarter no, with two minutes like, left. No, you weren't like, oh, I never want to have a baby. No, no, no. And then all of a sudden, as you're doing your quarterly challenges, look at me and say, oh, hey, guess what? I'd like you to go off the pill by the end of the year and, you know, let's have a baby. This was not out of left field. We've been talking about this on and off for a long time. For sure. And in these conversations, it always loosely started out the same way. Like, it just it just did. And Admittedly, there was a shift that I went through this week, which we're, we're, we're going to get to. So understand that this story takes a couple of twists and turns. But I am a negotiator and a closer by the nature of who I am. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it could be that Lindsay could say anything. Like, well, let's take the kids off the table <clears throat> for a second. Let's talk about a vacation. Don't care. We'll make up a magic vacation destination. Let's say we want to go to Atlantis. And Lindsay's mind works in such a way of like, you know, do we have the money? Do we have the time? What about the dogs? What about the kids? Like, she goes through this whole laundry list of what ifs. Yeah, we've already established in past podcasts that I'm the planner in our family, and you just kind of wing it and see where it the shit's going to stick. With that being said, <laughs> what so ends up mad, no, no, what ends up happening <laughs> is I go ahead and we'll start instantly turning into all the salesmanship things I have to do to create this magic environment for her to like stop thinking about the what ifs mm -hmm. and get mentally committed to the beauty of what would be Atlantis. Yeah, and I know you do that to me and I let you do it. I mean, you've been doing it for years. I love that you say you let me do it. Like, I do, but I know I, I know how your mind works and I've seen you try to close people for so long. Try to close people. And you know how I, I, I try to close well, people. you do close people. Sorry, I mean, come honey. on. But my ego is fragile over here. I know, baby. I'm, I'm very sorry. insecure. But you know my how face I is am? red now. Your face is red. I'm upset with you. No, go ahead. I'm, <laughs> no, you're I'm not. Um, but you, you know how I am. If I want something, I just like it's it. I want it. But if I am on the fence about something or I don't want something, you're not going to close me on it. Like I am not that person. I hear you. Uh huh. 
So <laughs> really that flippant, like I hear you, is how I've viewed the entire child thing. Because like Lindsay has had this experience before. I mean, obviously I'm very blessed where we together have what I would call a daughter. It's, yeah, it's Lindsay's Indiana. daughter from a previous marriage. Um, I definitely look at her as though she's mine when she's with us. She has a great father who's actively involved in her life, who spends wonderful quality time with her. Yeah. So she gets really the best of both worlds. But in that, I had previously looked at it like I got to miss out on the tough part. Like I met Gianna when she was four. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have sleepless nights. I didn't have changing diapers. I didn't have any of those. Body like, training, all that crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty self-sufficient from the time I came into your life. For sure. And she's her a good life. Kid. Yeah. She's phenomenal. <clears throat> Amazing. And so I had looked at her for a long time that I didn't get to do any of the tough stuff. That I've only got the fun side. And I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that. Like if you're listening and you have kids, you understand what this is in a capacity that I can't currently fathom. Like I've yeah, never been involved with in a relationship with anybody with a toddler. Yeah. Like, Baby it, age is rough. Toddler age is rough. When they get to that four to five-ish window where they cognitively can understand a whole bunch, they can reiterate to you what you've said and parrot things back but then also have their own opinions and then they can also understand what's going on and verbalize what they want and what they need it makes it life so much easier than the toddler who knows what they want but can't tell you of course it makes perfect sense to me and in that getting to experience that part it has never really been in any of our conversations up until somewhat recently it's always been one of those things of you know, probably somewhere deep in my soul, I have the requirement, necessity, yearning to have my own child. And mm-hmm. admittedly, hopefully my own son. I mean, <clears> I, I don't see there's any reason to have any bias towards that. I'll be yeah, you want a boy. blessed and fortunate to have a daughter. But I think it's every guy's dream is to have a son to, yeah. you know, for me to coach football and do guy stuff with. Like, that sounds fun <laughs> to me. It's cute. Yeah, for sure. But in that, I'm only able to hear during any of our conversations my own viewpoint, which is strange for me to say out loud because I'm typically a really open person. Mm-hmm. And you never have changed your version of the story. Like, when I say story, as this comes up, the way that I would view it is Lindsay having gone through a pregnancy before and having obviously the, the requirement of keeping another human alive inside of her <laughs> and then giving birth to that child. Like, there's a different weight and responsibility. Like, I get to experience the fun part on the front side. Right. I don't have to give birth. And then I get to kind of like hang Like the child needs me for some sort of protection. But, they, you know, I think babies want their moms. So I get the I get even in the less than fun baby and toddler stages, I still get in my mind only the fun stuff. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's true. We're milk trucks and we're the, the go to all the time for babies because newborns really rely on their mothers more so than their fathers. It's not a knock against dads. That's just kind of how nature is. Yeah. Of course. And so, you know, I brought this up consistently. And before it was one of those things of like, I don't really know if I care. Like I'm at this weird selfish place where Gianna is now eight. Come December, she'll be nine. Mm -hmm. And so nine years from now, when she's 18, our requirements to stay in Columbus no longer exist. Right. She's going off to college and she's an adult and yeah, and then she'll be actively, inv- you know, it's not like we... Well, we're not just checking out of parenthood when she's 18, but no. she's going to have now her own forming of life and the next step of her, her life. And so she doesn't, she's not going to need her parents every day like, you know, an eight-year-old does. Of course. And, and by the nature of that, calling it what it is, we will no longer be contractually obligated to stay in a certain distance from your ex-husband. Right. Like that's, that's part of this yep. equation for our family. And so... 
the selfish side of me has always said like, all right, I don't really know if I want to go down this path because nine years from now or 10 years from now or whatever the time periods have been. We're in our early 40s and we have a kid in college. I'll be 43 having, you know, successes that we've experienced and, you know, upward mobility. We can literally go anywhere we want to, travel anywhere we want, see the world. And as long as we're home kind of somewhere in the summer that Gianna could come home to and call her house, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that looks like, we're free. Yeah. And that was always one side of the coin and a side of the coin that selfishly feels very exciting. Yeah, and I agree with you. Then the other side of that coin for me has always been, but I don't know what it's like to have my own kid. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's not so much with me wanting to carry on my family name, and it's not that I have anything wrong with my family name, but that's never really played into it. Like I remember sitting down with my father and talking to him. He's like, you know, if you don't have a boy, our name stops. Like the Nidell name goes away. There is no... Yeah, I didn't think about that because you only his, have a sister. Yeah. Yeah. And she, <clears throat> she has a, you know, a son and a daughter, but again, different last right. names. Different and so last the, name. the, it stops that way. And there's boys on my uncles. Like I have uncles. You in, have Nidells that, yeah, right. Yeah, just different part of the family tree. You know, not my, not my father. Right. And so I would love to say that played a role into it, but it, it hasn't yet. Again, again, nothing wrong with my name, nothing, anything to do with that. It just, that wasn't part of the checks and balances for me. The checks and balances are, I now know that I'm a really good father. You're great, dad. Yeah. And I know that I have, there are some things occasionally that Lindsay and I do not see eye to eye on with parenting, which I think is completely normal for any parent. Like, yep, I agree. Birth child or not birth child, like bonus daughter, whatever. Oh yeah, you have to find middle ground in any parenting because you weren't raised the same way by the same people, and so you're going to have different viewpoints on how you raise your children. For sure, in our situation, there is a third viewpoint, which is your ex husband. Yeah, and he has way more weight and way more pool than I do, as he should in his own. I mean, it's his daughter. Sure, but we don't really. I mean, to be honest, we don't really take into account any of the things that he does or says within his household because we have our own set of rules within our household. No, we have basic standards for Gianna that she lives by in every household, you know, both mine and my ex-husband's. And that's normal. I mean, normal life stuff. But as far as bedtimes and chores and structure, we definitely have more of that in our house. Yeah. And some of that I think is, again, natural based off of, like you said, upbringing and things that are important and just the structure and the way that we live our life versus the way that other people live. I mean, mm-hmm. we live a pretty regimented life, but that's because that's what we like. Like that's right. our adulthood lends itself to that sort of mindset methodology. The things that we don't agree on are more things of like Gianna happens to be a very intelligent young lady. And I say that not based off of, I, I think every parent says their kids are intelligent, but Gianna's in the third grade and has already tested out of like spelling and reading and just about test out of math. She's and, just very, very smart. And she comes from, again, great, great parents who have done great things genetically as well as with her. Like she's, she's got good influences that mm-hmm. allow her to be intelligent and encourage her to be intelligent. But in that, I would envision and would like to see like a, almost a tutor or someone that helps accelerate Gianna's learning more that can travel with us as like I envision this incredible world where we study the pyramids. And like Gianna's learning about the pyramids for two or three weeks here in Columbus for right now. And then we go to see the pyramids. And then we go to Egypt yeah. and we spend a week seeing the pyramids. And like she gets to learn real time about all these different things, either geographically or mathematically or, you know, whatever it could be. Like I think that is such an impactful way to teach children versus this 
everybody has to learn to give or take the same speed. And there's these bullshit, you know, state ran school, state ran tests. And like you're kind of watering down things to the mid level. And we're we're very fortunate to be in a great school system, one of the top, you know, two or three schools in Ohio, Mm -hmm. as far as the public school system goes. But they still have to test and optimize towards the middle. Like you're not, you're not always raising the bar. And so called the challenge based lifestyle again that I live, but I think there's just this way to maximize what your child's output really can be. Mm-hmm. And sure, there's then the counter side of that is always the, well, what about the social growth that she would stunt? Like she wouldn't see the social side of things. Why well, I, I truly believe there's still club sports to do and she's involved in gymnastics and there's all these other things that she could still go have the relationships with children that would propel her into the next evolution of life in the you know, intercommunicational skills with other individuals. Yeah. That's just one of the things we just don't necessarily see eye to eye on because you are more traditional in the mindset of like not wanting to take her out of school and not, you know, and obviously I'd assume, again, we've never had the conversation with him, but I wouldn't assume that her father would be super cool with like, yeah, you guys go have a good time in Egypt for 10 days. Like, no, I mean, if it weren't coming from you, maybe he would even consider hearing it. But anything that comes from you is an instant no. Doesn't matter what it is. I would like to give you a million dollars. No. <laughs> That's an instant no. Yeah, you know, it, it, and, that, and that's a, probably a topic for another another podcast another day. But there's just, you know, those are the things that is, I think about us having a child. If we had a child, let's say the end of next year, you know, after gestation period and all that stuff, where Gianna then at that point is nine, almost ten. Mm-hmm. So that means she graduates high school in eight years. So the child that we have when she graduates ends up being the age that Gianna is right now, mm-hmm. which is third grade, which to me is the right time to start traveling. So like we could still do that just in a 10-year evolution in the future. Right. Which it would be things that you and I decide and discover together that I have 10 years to slowly wear you down and close you <laughs> because you're not going to instantaneously change. But like <laughs> I, I get 10 years. It's like. What is it that I don't, it's not waterboarding, but where you drop water like droplets on someone's head it's consistently? It's torture, isn't it? That yeah, what it's whatever it's called. Like, it, it's the same dot in the middle of your forehead all the time that it hit the water hit you. Yeah, and eventually yeah. It, it gets a whole like that will be what I'll have to do to Lindsay over the next ten years to make that happen. But I'm convinced <laughs> it's a possibility. And so I've, I've always went back and forth between these two things, you know, the selfish side of things and the side of things of like I'm a good father and I want to know what it's like to raise our own or my own child. Mm-hmm. Again, it's I, I only say that because I don't know any parents. If you're a parent, I'd love to hear it in from you. I don't know any parents that say like, that was just the worst decision I ever made. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have had you. No. Yeah, like but you everybody will, says there's people that say, I regret not having kids. Yeah. For sure. And you have people, of course, like, I fucking hate it when they're young. I don't want this stuff. Like, they're expensive. Like, I get the the high level what it is to have a kid at the best level that I can. I mean, Right, because you didn't experience all the the hard stuff, so to speak. All, all steps of parenting have their major challenges mm-hmm. so far as I'm learning, right? I, I've not had a teenager yet, so that's coming for us. But the, the newborn and the toddler and, like, then that transitional school age is tough stuff. Yeah. Super tough stuff. When Gianna loves the, loves the living daylights out of me, like the best that she can, but the love that she has for you and your ex-husband is different by the nature of, you know, you, you genetically are encoded with one another. Right. And so there's part of me that doesn't want to miss out on what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And so the entire time that I have ever brought any of these items up, those have always been my stances. Like it's always, 
in a conversation, whether it be with Lindsay or another individual, like those are the two things I bring up. And I've always waffled back and forth. Haven't ever yeah, had that. 50, 50 down the middle with you. Yeah. I want to have one today. No, um, we're good. Yeah, absolutely. But as I would ask Lindsay, these questions, I now can see this, but I couldn't up until this past week where her instant response was more on a negative twinge and not negative in the fact of like aggressively unhappy, but more of like my body's going to change. I can't ride horses anymore. It's expensive. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. There's just a lot more, like you said earlier, you get to have the fun part and then the other fun part when the baby actually gets here, but that whole 10 months in between is majorly difficult on me and my body. Absolutely. And that's those initial parts have always been the first things to come out of your mouth. Yeah. Eventually, the second things that come out of your mouth, really more like the third and fourth things, just being honest with it now, are the upside. Like, it'd be great to have a kid with you. Yes. I'd like to see what our, you know, our, our DNA makes together. Yeah, it's never been a hard no. It's like, yes, I would love to have a baby with you. Yes, it would be great. Like, obviously, they'd be super cute. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... Where I would say I'm 50-50, now that I can look at it more objectively, you've probably been 60-40 or even 70-30 more towards a no. Mm -hmm. I just didn't hear that. And so what ends up happening is, like part of this, and again, this is not to throw dispersions on anybody, but Lindsay having had a child with another person, she can only be... Our relationship can only be relative towards what she's already experienced. Meaning, like I envision this thing where I go to every, I'll call it Lamaze appointment. I'm making up stuff because I don't know what any of this stuff is. <laughs> but like I go to the, 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 like the, the birthing classes and I go to yeah, the, the doctor's, doctor's appointments, appointments and I, I'm, I'm excited. Just like I'm excited now. Like I'm excited to be a part of Gianna's life and I do not as much stuff as I could. I'm sure there's still more I could do, but like I do a lot of stuff. You do. Like super involved and I love every part of it. So much so that you leave this week and I get to be with Gianna from Wednesday yeah. until Friday, like Daddy by duty myself. on board, yep. Yeah, so it's super fantastic for me. But in that, your experience was different than that your first go round. I didn't have a good experience at all. And I will, I mean, and again, it's not dispersions on it, it's just facts of how it was for me. Yeah, I mean, you. Again, I think this is this is important. This is stuff to get out because I know that we're not the only ones going through stuff like this. Yeah. And so now that I put the disclaimer that it's not attacking anybody and all this stuff, like your your ex-husband was a is was a great producer, is a great guy. Like there's things that are be, are benefits, but in that sure. as so common with, you know, men that I coach or people that I help, we get linearly focused on the one measure that we feel is important which is right. the success of our production a production and business mm-hmm. and everything else kind of falls in a different sequential order after business right and so by the nature of that you know as you're pregnant as you're you know going through that period i can only assume that added pressure of like okay we have another mouth to feed and we have another you know that our lives are changing together mm-hmm. that increased angst for production has that become more of the focus even than it was prior mm-hmm. and there isn't as much bonding over this experience. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, but I, I even think that's a nice way to say it. I mean, I... Yeah, I'm not trying to attack anybody. Yeah. Like, I, this this is your story to tell. I just, I'm setting the frame for you. So, yeah, I, I mean, my ex-husband is probably the worst type of person to be matched with my type of person 
as far as communication goes. That's not to say like he's bad or I'm bad. It's just our styles of communication in life and, and our love languages didn't mesh at all. And I was 22 when I met him, so I didn't understand any of this stuff. And, and how old were you when you got pregnant? Not when you had Jenna. How old were you roughly? 26. And were you living in Columbus or down in Florida? Yeah, we were living in Columbus. But it, you were in the process of moving to Florida? Yeah, so I was um, probably th- somewhere between three and five months pregnant when we actually moved down to Florida. We found out before uh, – actually, no, we found out that I was pregnant after we had signed the contract to go to Florida. Okay, because you and him left a veterinary practice here in Columbus mm-hmm. to go down and start a new part of veterinary practice in Palm Beach, Florida. Correct. And so you then are leaving your life. I mean, you born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, my family's here. My parents, I mean, if you know anything about Italian families, like everybody's in everybody's business all the time. We're very close-knit. Everything's about family first. Um, and he didn't have any family. But that being said. Didn't have any family here. Here, here, yes. Yeah. So he didn't have any family here in Columbus. Um, but that being said, when the contract was up at our, our veterinary hospital here in Columbus, we both talked about it and said, you know, this is the perfect time to move. We didn't know we were pregnant at that point. This mm-hmm. is the perfect time to move. Like, we can always come back. We can do something. We can grow a business and sell it off. Like, there's opportunity here. And we just got married, you know, probably 18 months before that. And it's like, okay, let's let's do a change. You know, yep. we're not. So we did. And um, I found out I was pregnant. Now, we had planned on having Gianna. Mm-hmm. It was a conscious decision to go off the pill and try to get pregnant um it was more something that i brought up and i think that and, and i need to interrupt like this pregnancy of course happened from immaculate conception <laughs> yes. i mean obviously like one time what, just one time well, i think he was just he looked at you really hard for a long time and it just it just, <laughs> it just happened. happened like the seed transferred in of like course. that's how this stuff works right. just want to make sure i'm clear on my uh-huh. side of things on how this no actually happened no <laughs> but it started off as a the experience of peeing on the stick Finding out I was pregnant, and we had a very modest house when we first got married. It was a little three-bedroom, one-bathroom house, you know, cute but small, just a normal starter home. So we had one bathroom, and he was in the shower getting ready for work. And, of course, our bathroom was like the standard hall bathroom, just the sink, the toilet, the shower. So there was no, like, privacy. So I'm peeing on the stick as he's in the shower, and I'm waiting there, and he's still in the shower. And... I see the little positive come up and I'm like super excited and oh my gosh, it happened because it happened fast. It was the first month that I'd been off the pill, so I was not expecting to be pregnant. I opened the shower curtain and I'm like, we're pregnant. Oh my God, look at the test. And he deadpanned me and goes, okay, I got to get ready for work and close the shower door. Mm-hmm. And so. Now I need, to, I need to make sure that you, the listener understands the way that I view your ex-husband, he is incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. and emotions and the way that he shows emotions like what i found in, in most individuals if you're if you're incredibly intelligent if you're truly like at the pinnacle of your career in your individual field the likelihood that you have other strong abilities like emotional abilities or you know athletic abilities that you kind of go all in on something and so again this is not to attack him but like he's incredibly intelligent and then by the nature of that is just not emotional in any capacity. Correct. Like, and and I, I will ha- say that since Gianna has obviously been born and he's raised her with me, he does a very good job of showing her love and emotion, which I think is the only thing besides animals 
that he is able to show love and affection to on a on a level that someone else would be able to feel it mm-hmm. um but yes you're, you're right he's extremely intelligent to the point where i think that he doesn't compute on a normal emotional level yeah it just that part's not important to develop like right. he's developed in so many other ways that right. it's just not relevant right so that was my first day one of experienced pregnancy and i'm like oh my god like i i felt like i got punched in the gut i didn't know what to say mm-hmm. um and then i you know he comes out of the shower and i'm of course crying like you didn't care and you just shut the, the shower door in my face and what the hell no i got i got I'm, i can't help it <laughs> Lindsay, again, I want to make sure that you understand as a listener is full bred, full blood. <laughs> I feel like they know this. Italian. Now. No, I know, but like in situations like this where I have to put myself not only in your husband, like me being your husband right now, yeah. shoes, but also by being your husband, understand how you're really wired. Where like I'm thinking, okay, there's two sides of the story. There's the side of like you're super excited, you slide open the curtain, you tell him, and he's kind of in the back of his mind, like, oh shit, I don't really care, and close the curtain. Like that's one version. Sure. Then there's the other version of like, Okay, I'm in the shower, and for some reason, I'm 10 minutes later than I want to be, and you're telling me something I don't know how to compute, so I close the curtain because I have to truly get ready for work because now it's like, if I don't actually show up at work on time, it's already clicking in my brain that I can't afford to pay for this kid that's coming. <laughs> oh, shit. And so you just like you just close the curtain and go. And so he comes out, and your emotionalness, this is not even because of hormones. This is because you're Italian. Like, yeah. This is because of who you are. <laughs> like I can just see you sitting there like, crying pissed off confused hurt frustrated like all all across the board and it doesn't have to necessarily be that this guy was emotionless i'm i don't know what it's like to have that shock now i (laughs) i I just i know what it's like to see you as an emotional person when sometimes there's just no damn reason you get emotional like you're a woman so that's part of this no offense women that are listening it's truthful Women have a higher emotional like fucking balance than we do as men. No, we do. And and I'm reactionary and I have emotional responses to pretty much everything in life. Mm-hmm. And but I will say like as a 26-year-old woman, way better now as a 36-year-old woman because at 26 I had no tools to control my shit. None. Oh, then I mean this is almost unfair for him. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that much better now, like you're patting yourself on the back That's for who you up. are today, it's not messed up. As, like her forehead, the vein on her forehead's popping out. Like she wants to tell me to go fuck myself. It's okay. It's probably because I need my Botox touched up. It, it could be. <laughs> Go, go ahead. Go ahead. So he gets out of the shower. So, so yeah. So, you know, it's just like that's the bad start to the. But what um, happens? He gets out of the shower and comes to you and like it just goes. Like, yeah. Uh, consoles okay, you or whatever. I'm sorry. And, you know, yeah, that that's exciting. But honestly, he goes, well, what did you think it was going to happen, Lindsay? We, you know, we said we were going to try to have a baby and you went off the pill. That's what he said. And I went. Very uh, logical. Uh, it's just very him. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, OK. And then I had to then get ready for work. And so that's just what happened. But also, I'd have to assume, like, one positive pianistic test does not necessarily guarantee the fact you're actually pregnant. Right. No, then I had to call my doctor that day, and I had to go in for blood tests and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he did come to that. And for the most part, he tried to come to appointments with me, but it was, I had to track him down and call the hospital and make sure that he remembered and, you know, whatever and so he made it to most of them but not all of them i know the important ones he showed up for there we go okay but for the, most of the part I, I did all of it on my own then it became like okay we have to get a baby's room ready because we moved to florida i was um eight or nine weeks pregnant i had just gotten the confirmation from the doctor via blood test but hadn't had an ultrasound yet to confirm that there was a heartbeat and we're flying down to florida to buy a house we had a we were down there for a week and we had to find a house in a week 
And so then we bought this house and we have to get a baby's room ready and all this stuff. And he's going, well, you know, I don't really know if we need a crib and a, and a paint the room and a dresser and all this but wait, stuff. At what, at what time during this, like how far along the pregnancy are you as you're having, are you having this while you're house shopping in eight or nine weeks? No, no. I mean, we, we moved down there. We moved, moved in the house. I had my first ultrasound confirmed that Gianna was healthy, happy, you know, growing pregnancy. He moved down a couple of months before I did, um, and lived in like an extended stay because he a couple had of months. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was like a couple went, of weeks. You no, know, he went, um, it was probably two months. And I went back and forth twice to get the house ready because our house, the people that we bought it from needed, I don't know, 60 days or something. So (laughs) he had to start work and I had to start house stuff. And then I had to start work shortly after I moved down there too, because we were a team. Okay. So you're three months pregnant at this point? Four months? um, Yeah. Almost. I was almost four months pregnant by the time I got down to Florida. Okay. And how how long did the baby bake for? 10 months total, but they say nine months, but so it was July when I moved down to Florida and Gianna was born in December. All right. So we started to get the house ready and all that stuff. And it was fall time. Of course, it's not fall in Florida. It was 95 degrees out and I was, so it was September. Mm -hmm. So I was seven months pregnant and okay like, so it, it's we gonna, have to get the it's room ready now yeah i'm, I'm yeah. trying to I'm, <laughs> I'm admittedly playing devil's advocate like i don't know if we've ever went this deep down and i've had the consciousness of presence of mind yeah to be able to play the devil's advocate like i'm your husband so i always support everything you say but now as i'm sitting here thinking through this for whatever reason in this exact moment way more objectively mm. i'm just bantering back and forth about the fact of like all right if it's you and i and we move and you're two months pregnant. You want to get a room ready because no, no. you're the ultra planner. And I'm like, no, the only well, thing I on. picked like, out in the house was what room was going to be hers. Okay. I didn't even know. I knew pretty early what we were having because we worked in a veterinary hospital and I had an ultrasound machine. So I ultrasounded mm-hmm. myself and figured out what sex she was. And so I knew pretty early I was having a girl and, you know, wanted to get things ready. Now, mm-hmm. of course, I'm a planner, so I was already planning stuff. But the only thing I did was pick out which room was going to be her room. Okay. So it's, it's August, September. Mm-hmm. It's August, September, and there's things like the baby registry, and you have to buy a crib and a dresser and a changing table and diapers and diaper genies and bassinets and swings and Moby wraps and all kinds. I mean, there's just endless amounts of crap with baby. Now, admittedly. I understood two of those words. I know, crib. Crib and diapers. And I guess a dresser. (laughs) I don't even care about a dresser. So my mom's down because she's going to help me get the room ready. And she goes, okay, well, where's the, the crib and the dresser? And I said, well, he doesn't think we need one. And so he's giving me a really hard time about going out and picking one out with me. And she was like, you've got to be kidding me. What? And I had these shelves that I bought for the room and he wouldn't hang the shelves and just, just stuff. Just, just, it was combative at every point. So I'm crying because I'm like, oh my God, we're not getting a dresser and like this is ridiculous and I'm going to put baby clothes on the floor. Just nothing about it was simple and easy. It should have just like in my mind, you're laughing at me, I know, but in my mind as I'm I'm thinking about having a kid, I'm thinking about all these things that I'm going to do with my then husband and go and pick out baby stuff and strollers and car seats and you know it's cute and it's fun and excited together and have him put together the crib and the dresser and it'll be so cute and like none of this stuff was happening it was all forced and very awkward and just combative and it was miserable so I'm laughing because 
I now envision you with a pretty decent-sized baby bump. I imagine you being in the hot Florida sun. I imagine you being frustrated in Italian and emotional from having a baby inside of you, Mm -hmm. just being frustrated that everything's changing. And so the, the heightened emotions, coupled with the fact of him not responding the way that you want, but as you're telling the story, like I'm sitting there thinking, all right, how would I act? <laughs> and I'm like, I like to shop and I could be super excited to have a kid. Oh, you're going you're gonna to get, if we decide to do this, we're going to go into like the bye-bye baby store or whatever it is with that gun for registry or to pick. Not registering, you're just go going, buy stuff. You're going to get caught up in every marketing gimmick and be like, look, look at this. We I, need this for sure. We need this. Well, I understand this. But what I'm saying <laughs> is like in this moment when you're saying, all right, let's go shopping. That doesn't sound fun to me either. Like no, I don't want to like, go buy You have cr- to have a car seat. Like that, that's yeah. a requirement. A, a car seat. You have to have a crib and a mattress. And it, like, I get it. I'm just saying when you're saying this out loud to me in this moment, like taking all the BS aside, I'm not like, yes, I can't wait to go do this shopping shit for stuff that we're going to have for like a year and then none of us going to work anymore. Yeah. And it's all expensive. And women, of course, get super into it because you want the cute ones and the color matching and, you know, the fancy things. So he, does, he doesn't help out. I mean, I, I he doesn't you. help. He's combative. Doesn't want you on board. I'm cutting you off because like I'm not even good on this path right now. Yeah, he doesn't help. It's fine. I'm messing with you. Go ahead. It, I mean, that's just what it is. So fast forward to the end of the pregnancy and things are about the same. I worked up until the last four weeks. Um, Slacker. Why'd you take four weeks off? Because at the nine month mark, my hips st- started to move. And I don't I don't think I've ever shared this. I have really horrible hips and I've had multiple injuries to them from riding horses. And I've also had surgeries. So so horses are not only expensive to own, operate, and keep, but they also tear down your body. So horses are really like the triple benefit. Like if you can, if you have money that you want to literally throw away, like you have two options, really three. You can put on a trash can and light on fire. You can go to the bathroom, number two, wipe yourself, and then throw it down the toilet, or you can get a horse. Like those are the three. And make your wife super happy. Those are the three options. Yes, as we're now fills my soul cup every. We're now on the precipice of needing yet another hip surgery for the one she hasn't had a surgery on yet because she complains about how bad it hurts from riding the horse that she rides all the time. Yeah, but I always knew that I was going to have to have my other one fixed. It's just we fixed the the worst of the two first. Yeah. uh But anyway, as my hips start to move, I like you know the tiny little. Uh, we had a big walk-in shower and there was like this tiny little half inch step where like the tile moved up so the water didn't get out. Mm -hmm. I could not physically pick up my foot to put it in there. Like my hips were so out of whack and out of line and Gianna was sitting on the, my sciatic nerve. Like it was terrible. So So I I stopped working. Some, some, uh, you know, canola spray and spray that dude down to slip yourself in, just (laughs) lay on your back and slide across the threshold. Really bad. So I stopped working four weeks before she was born. And then I went into labor for almost four solid days. Mm -hmm. And they sent me home three times. And Seemed like a long time. Yep. Three times. You know, I I was not progressing like they wanted me to progress. I just kept having contractions every like three to seven minutes that were really intense. So me as the meathead, like I can't just take my hands when that happens and like push. Oh, not if you want to get cut. Towards that, like just take my hand underneath your your breastbone and just push down. (laughs) That's not going to help. No, that will not. Okay, in my mind, that just seemed like a normal thing to do. Just like push them down. Nope. So I did like, I did the walking and the, I had some really fantastic neighbors in Wellington Mm -hmm. and uh, they were from Pittsburgh. So they were Midwest people and they were younger than my parents but old enough to be my parents and they adopted me so I would go on walks with Kim and do all kinds of stuff and it was 
like had it not been for those people I probably would have not survived that whole deal because my ex-husband at that point was not ever home he was always at the hospital so a couple of phone calls to him saying you have to come to the hospital for him to say no you know I'm sure like let, let me know if they admit you to then finally being induced and Gianna is born ta-da mm-hmm Kind of. You're leaving out a crucial part of that story. Which which part? Epidural. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I had been in labor for almost four days. And by the time that I went in on a Sunday, I called my doctor Saturday night and said, look, like you have to do something. These people keep sending me home. I can't take this anymore. I'm losing my mind. Um, they checked me Sunday morning. I was finally progressing. And they said, okay, we'll induce you. So then here comes... My body has not had any sleep or rest for now the fourth day and they give me Pitocin and the contractions get a thousand times worse. And I didn't want to have a natural birth by any means. Like there's drugs for a reason. I did a lot of research. I already had so much hip pain and then contraction pain and then Pitocin pain. I was over it. And so I got to about, oh, I don't know, six or seven, almost eight centimeters and said, please call the anesthesiologist. I would really like an epidural. Like I can't physically take anymore and my body is beyond exhausted and I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to push her out I just can't focus and so I got the epidural and then the the birth was pretty quick and easy after that I felt fabulous and you know she was healthy and happy and continued on with normal aftercare stuff I stayed in the hospital for about a day and a half and then went home and then it kind of started again where he was you know happy and supportive for as much as he could be um and then I started to try to breastfeed her and that didn't really go as planned either so I didn't produce enough milk I um had a very hard time I got mastitis I went to lactation consultants and did this for weeks and she got what she needed for the most part but she was still hungry so then it starts with my other bad experience now is twofold. So my ex-husband then said, you know, you really didn't, it really wasn't that hard to have a baby. I mean, you had the epidural, so it couldn't be that bad because I had a natural birth up until that point, but I had a vaginal delivery. And so that recovery is really rough for those women that have had vaginal deliveries. It's, it's really a, a long healing process for that. I mean, that's, you had an eight pound baby. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, I'm sorry, but I don't think you really did that great of a job. I mean, you had an epidural, so it couldn't be that bad. I mean, you know, what? what's the big deal? Everybody, everybody has babies and gets epidurals. You didn't do anything that special. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, not, were you, were you- not thank you for bringing this child into to the world and working so hard and having four days of labor and being exhausted or anything that a normal person would say. Well, did you guys have prior conversations about wanting to go natural the entire way? No. No, I, I said from the beginning, like, I will have an epidural. I will go as long as I can, mm-hmm. but I will have an epidural because I I just, that's my choice. Yeah. I know my pain tolerance, and that's as far as I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, and I would do it again. I would not have a natural childbirth, and I know that there are a lot of reasons to do it and not to do it and blah, blah, blah. But my choice and my plan for myself is that I... Going to get the drugs because it's for me. Mm-hmm. So, as my 
natural milk production slowed down even more despite lactation consultants and specialists and all this stuff and pumping and blah 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 I just realized that I was going to have to supplement her with formula and she was not going to survive on just my breast milk alone it wasn't going to work um and I felt really horrible about that any mom that's listening whether you're able to breastfeed or not whether you choose to breastfeed or not it's something that you are told over and over again that it's a it's a natural thing and it's a thing for mothers to do and there's so much judgment and stigma and all that between women and men of whether or not you breastfeed your child it's just a personal choice I would have loved to my body just did not produce enough to sustain her and so then my job as a mother is to make sure that she has life so formula it was and you know my ex-husband said formula is expensive and um, you would not have survived as a mother and Gianna wouldn't have survived as a baby had she been born in 1909 versus 2009 because there was not formula then so you would have failed as a woman and a mother and that shattered me big time because then I felt I already felt like a failure because I couldn't produce enough milk for her and then to have my husband not support me as I'm sobbing that I that as lactation consultant says you're going to have to you know do formula to then having him say well you you know you would have been stoned in the village nobody would have wanted you because you can't you can't produce babies and you can't produce milk to to keep them alive Mm -hmm. like who says that yeah, and admittedly, knowing him, even I think you have shared this with me, there was a look on his face and a certain amount of humor that he was trying to get out during that time period. Maybe. I wasn't hearing it, and I wasn't. it wasn't registering with me as any kind of a joke. And I'm sure that if you ask him, he would say it was a joke, and he was just you know trying to lighten the mood. But, but even in that a- aspect, like he tries to lighten the mood at that point, but then there's he re- reiterates that on multiple different occasions in multiple different settings. Right. So even if there was that, you know, that initial thing of like the shock and we're all dealing with our own way to process, like what does this really mean? The continuation after knowing that there's some things that make you uncomfortable of that conversation because you're not exactly a quiet person. I'm sure you didn't right. like hop on the car and be like, you know, that was so funny. Thanks for sharing that. I don't imagine that's really how that process no, goes down No, I lost my you. shit on multiple levels. But yeah. also because like on top of me being who I am, then you've got the giant hormone crash that comes after you have a baby. Uh, that's legitimate hell. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, your body's used to running on, you know, twice as much and major high premium octane fuel for a while. And all of a sudden it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so that crash is, is major. And so, I, you know, the whole thing just doesn't have a, a positive light for me. Yeah, so there's all these things, and I appreciate you sharing some of that vulnerability. Obviously, this is something that you and I have spoken about multiple times, but is different when you, being the listener, get to experience it and take it all in. And so Lindsay had shared these pieces and parts with me throughout this process. Like, these weren't new things, but in this past week, as we are, as I'm rounding down this quarter of the year, because my quarters are not calendar quarters, like it's based off when I started in Warrior, so... right. Like I'm, I'm looking and starting to push forward with stuff, and the, the conversation are getting more serious now. Like it's no longer one of those things of like, yeah, you know, let's talk about it eventually. It's like, what's the deal here? Kind of what's our plan? And she's just negative, and like it's, it's dawning on me that, admittedly, that we have something in Wake Up Worker called the stack, 
and the stack ends up taking a situation that we're not so happy with and it can be we're mad angry sad upset name whatever it is and it allows you to look at the situation objectively from four different sides figure out which version you want to adopt you know is it me is it the opposite version is the desired version you know how does this look or the original version and then apply that to life and i'm realizing that in this as mad as i am at Lindsay, like we get in can't really call it a full-blown fight but like i'm pissed at her like i don't even remember what day of the week it was doesn't really matter sometime last week i'll just i'll make up a day and say wednesday yeah you were really upset because like she's telling me all this negative stuff and i'm like man i just want to hear something positive and so i'm pissed at her we go to bed and i'm mad when we go to bed we still talk but i know inside like i'm just not happy get up in the morning i stack it and i kind of go all the way around and i realize the fact that it's not Lindsay who has changed Like, her story has been static. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding that has changed. So although I go to bed pissed at her, although I'm mad about the conversation we had over dinner, mad about the conversation that continues on into the evening, I wake up in the morning, it's like, man, there's just no part of this that's her fault. Like She can only experience life through what she's already... She can only see current day through what she's already experienced. And so she eventually come to find out I can, she can she can share that meditates and comes up with her own version of what's going on but she realizes that she just shared this story with me and with you like she realizes that all these old stories are stories that were not created by our relationship because I'm admittedly pissed at her because like you're holding over my head like that's like saying right now we shouldn't have gotten married because you had one marriage that didn't work out right I'm not your ex-husband. I might have some of the same character traits. There might be some similarities somewhere along the line, but across the board, I'm my own person. Like, I can only be me, and I can only be present in our relationship to the best of my ability. So that's not only relegated to our communication. That's every part of a relationship, which includes, but is not limited to, having a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, And so you process that all the way through, and we have additional conversation where at this moment, like after our mutual processing i come to the such stark realization that she's had the same story for three and a half years i've just never heard it because i wanted to close her (laughs) and she comes to the realization that her past story shouldn't define her current reality right and i'm like all right just for now like the baby conversation just off the table Mm -hmm. like i just don't even want to talk about it and not like pack up my ball and go home like spoiled child just look when i really think about it for three and a half years you haven't ever said i really just want to have a kid that's always come on the backside. It hasn't been the first thing out of your mouth. And so it's this weird thing at this moment of just understanding like, wow, we've, we've really went full circle in the past seven days on the way that we view this topic. And there isn't a current resolution. No, like, I th- we still are just kind of hanging out with it. We st- well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I fully, until there's a time at this point where you switch and you come to me and say, I want to have a child with you. Yeah. And that comes out of your mouth first, and you truly mean it, and there's multiple conversations with that tone put on it, the child thing's just off the table to me. Like, I'm not going to try to overcome past things that had nothing to do with me. I'm not going to try to convert your mindset into something different. I'm not going to have you feel guilty based off my negative emotion associated with it. It has to be that as time passes, if it's something you want to do, that you bring up and say, like, I'm ready to get down. Yeah. Oh, I know. And we talked about that too. And I, I had to dissect my own story about what that looked like because I was bringing that 
experience into our marriage, even though it had nothing to do with you. It's the only experience that I have had and it wasn't a good one. So every time that I think about that, it's it creates major anxiety because I felt alone and not supported and, you know, it just wasn't this happy, joyful. And it, it not to say that it's always happy and joyful. It's very hard to have a newborn and a and a toddler and all like they're just major life changes. It's not just like, oh, you know, we'll go with the flow. It every single thing about your life as you know it changes immediately. Well, that's part of the animosity from the outside. Like knowing you now, your ex-husband's life didn't change. Yeah. Like during that time period, it just didn't really change. Like he still got up, went to work, did the pieces and parts. I mean, I'm sure he contributed in some capacity, but sure. not what you I would mean, have wanted him to do. This is not a bash session on him. This is my version of, of what happened to me in that part of my life. It, yeah. it has, you know, nothing to do on, there were good things that he did, of course. And Absolutely. You know, I'm sure. he is a, a very good dad to Gianna and he helped as best as he was able to help for who he is. Yeah. And so... This episode of I want to have a baby or however I phrase it to start with is this unique thing of understanding how difficult it can be if you're not willing to be any part of your life. If you're not willing to adjust and dissect the stories that create your present reality from your past, you're literally almost doomed to repeat them. Like if Lind- if we don't have these conversations and if I don't push hard and I don't like really show Lindsay some frustration. It's the first time I've been mad at her for something like like actually pissed off. Like in past conversations, we just kind of flip it. It was in passing. But now it's getting serious, and so I push the seriousness, and there's this negative feedback. And that causes me to analyze what I've done for the past three and a half or four years. And it also causes her to analyze what she's really done now for the past, we'll call it nine years, because these stories are things that she's carried around with her since Gianna was still inside of her. Mm-hmm. Like these are limiting factors that, go into everything that happens in current day life. Like these are frustrations that she has with someone that's no longer actively involved in her life other than the father to your child. Like right. there's all these things that go into this that just eventually get pushed underneath the rug because they don't feel important, but they are important. Like, cause there's things that change when you start to really like lift on under the rug, lift up the rug and see what's underneath there. Right. And so as we wrap up the episode, it's like, where in your life right now are you letting old stories define who you are today? Is it potentially in your business where things have went wrong or you've gotten fired from a job before for lack of performance or whatever it could be? And based off that, you're waiting yet again to get fired. And so in that, your performance is starting to slip and you're starting to do things that aren't relevant towards that particular job because that's all you know. That's all you've experienced. Or it could be something like Lindsay just shared about a relationship. Like, shoot, if she did that to me, I'd be screwed. Like, I was the person that cheated and wasn't a good guy. And had that been the story that, like, she decided to hold on to about me or that I decided to hold on to about myself, like, I would just have continued down that path. Like, that just would have been our reality or my reality. Same thing is for me, it can apply in, in my body as well. Like, I had this story that I had to use steroids and it just I was going to be a bodybuilder. Like, without steroids, I, I wouldn't be anything that I am. Like, had I let that story define who I was or who I am today, I wouldn't have a perfect blood panel back. I wouldn't be, you know, I don't know, but just I'm, I'm healthy now. Yeah, so that's so nice. I love to see that. Yeah, I don't know. How, I mean, it just I, I stopped letting those old stories define me. Maybe you're doing the same thing. Like, again, many of you. Yeah, have, and it's a, it's a process. Like, you're not just going to flip the switch and have it be, 
okay, I changed my mind. It is a process to have the realization that that's a story you've been telling yourself and then to dissect those walls down so that you can actually see the the story, the reality of what truly that situation was and what the root cause of your anxiety, fear, you know, whatever the feelings are, mm-hmm. where that where the root cause is. And for me, like that's been the process over the last week to 10 days of just really what that story is for me. Absolutely. And so all these things, when you start to really get real in the moment with the things that have went on in your past and get raw with how it makes you feel, and then you decide to dissect and maneuver through those versus where you want to go in the future. When you do that consistently enough, you'll find out that day over day, you're able to get shit done. 